Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What is up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon Light. I'm going to be your host, and this is episode 23. Now, this episode is going to be all about something that I find to be extremely important, and a lot of people who are interested in fitness, interested in weightlifting, interested in health also seem to find this topic extremely important, but for a wide variety of reasons, okay? This episode is going to be all about the core, abs, abdominals, obliques, all of it, okay? Everything from your sternum all the way down to your waist, okay? Aesthetically, strength-wise, balance, stability, uh, and essentially everything that makes the core so important. And there's going to be some stuff in here that if you haven't gone out and researched it and you haven't gone through a significant transformation that has caused you to like really test and tweak and do a lot of trial and error to understand how the core works. If you don't already know a lot about the core, you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Uh, I have a lot of knowledge on the core and the abs and how to get them to show, but also why are they so important? Why does having a strong core matter so much and how to actually build your abs. Okay. They are muscles. So how to actually build them. We're going to get into that too. And I have a lot of knowledge on this because I've been working on it for such a long time, 10, almost 11 years. Okay. I also have spent time researching the scientific side of it. Okay. So I have like a little bit of the book, like textbook intelligence or whatever textbook knowledge on it, but more importantly, in my opinion, the practical knowledge on it as well. Okay, so, but before I get into that, if you are new to the podcast, if the Strength of Body and Mind podcast is new for you, a quick little summary, little background on it, what it is, is it's a Tuesday, Thursday weekly podcast. Okay, Tuesdays, I come in with a lot of physical based discussions. So, a lot of workout based stuff, weight training, exercise, fitness, health, food. Uh, all from a physical type standpoint, okay? And and that's everything from tactical, like, you know, here's how to do a specific exercise and here's what muscle group it affects and here's what joints are moved as a result of doing that movement and what the prime mover is and the synergistic muscle group and all that stuff. And then the Thursday episode is more mindset, more mentality, more mental strength, more confidence, more getting out of your own way type stuff. And So far, it's been doing really well. The feedback's been great, and I think I'm doing something special here. Now, the whole thing isn't just a fitness podcast. It's actually based around a very, very core belief that I have that I live by almost, and that is that the the body-mind connection is something that is so ridiculously misunderstood and like widely understudied. We don't give it enough attention. Okay, this is something I truly believe. And I have experienced firsthand just what that feels like when you finally get to that point 
through a lot of, from in my case, trial and error, grinding, figuring things out for myself and getting to a point, like I said, where the, the physical actions that I'm taking are directly mapping to my big picture, longer term goals. And as a result, I hit this new level of self-belief and self-worth and confidence. And this is something that I know everybody can do. And because I think everybody can do it, I'm not saying everybody will, most people won't actually. And if you're listening to this, I hope you're one of the people that takes action, but I believe everybody can do this. And the point of this podcast is to try and spread the education on this topic and help people understand what is possible. Okay. And fitness and health and all those things, those, in my opinion, should be a priority, not just an ancillary hobby or something off to the side that's kind of cool and nice to have, but not really that critical. I believe it's the opposite. I believe it's 100% critical. And if people lived with that at the top of their list, that all of the other things that they are struggling with mentality wise, mental strength wise, uh, having a cluttered mind wise and self-confidence and all the things that are related to the insecurities that they have about their body and their health and their fitness and all that, all of that would go away and they could live a much fuller, much healthier life. Okay. So that is the big picture takeaway, the big picture punchline of why this podcast exists. Okay. So anyway, jumping right in. We're talking all about the core today. And some of the things we're going to talk about, some of the things we're going to address are why is the core so important? Why do I talk about it so much? Because this is not the first time I'm bringing it up. Why do we care so much about having a six pack as a race, as humans? I don't know if this is like culturally everywhere, but at least in, in the America, you know, a six pack is such a desirable thing from both men and women right? Defined abs. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Why do some people do things like a million crunches and a bunch of sit-ups and like all these traditional ab exercises and never actually seem to build up ab strength or physical abs from an aesthetic to point of view perspective? Uh, we talk about that. Why do people say that, that abs are made in the kitchen? If you've never heard that term before, it's an extremely widely used popular phrase, at least here in America, but mostly in the fitness industry. You know, why are abs made in the kitchen? Right? It's, it's actually just abs are made in the kitchen. Um, why can't most people see their abs? Right? Why is that? Well, I mean, you know, that's. I wondered that for years. And I put in tons and tons and tons of work and I couldn't see mine. I always wondered, why can't I see my abs? I put in all this work. And, uh, you know, how do we actually build our abs to be stronger? We know that they're muscles, but mostly people just care about seeing them and having some visibility on their abs. But to understand that they're muscles, we also need to understand what it takes to build them into what they're capable of doing and, and, and you know, building them up to their potential and how building your abs as muscles, as a muscle group can affect the rest of your life, right? Every other aspect of your life, uh, just about, and how having a strong core can just make everything else better. Like not, I'm not, not just talking about the gym. I'm not just talking about in sports, but I mean in life, everyday life. So we're going to talk about that too. So first and foremost, let's talk about what the abs are, right? 
mean, we know that there's, there's a muscle group and it's somewhere between the sternum and the waist and kind of goes off to the side, but it's really four different micro muscle groups. Okay. When you think six pack, what you're really picturing in your mind, probably like most people is, uh, you know, those, those six abdominals right in the front going from your sternum all the way down towards your belly button. And there's actually eight, but most people can never achieve the the full eight pack because there's two at the very, very bottom below the belly button. And it's extremely difficult to get your body fat low enough and to get those strong enough and big enough so that you can actually see them. But anyway, that section of the abs that you see right down the middle of the abdomen, that is called the rectus abdominis. Okay. And that is, it's a, uh, the reason we we see that the most is because that's where like directly below the sternum that's the part of the abdomen where we are as humans are uh we we lose our body fat at that in that area quickly now there's a lot of reasons for that there's a lot of bone there with your ribs off to the side your sternum obviously um and then the abdominal group there the rectus abdominis at the top is is a very dense muscle group. Plus it's just kind of a weird area. You know, if you think about where your waist is, it's below that. And a lot of fat sits there, especially on men and on women, um, more body fat collects like a little bit lower, like usually in the glutes and the legs. And just when it comes to the upper rectus abdominis or the upper abs right below your sternum, it's just not an area for heavy body fat concentration. So those top abs, those upper abs, those are always going to be the ones that show first. So if you are working towards a six pack now, or if you're relatively thin and you're cutting and you're trying to build up uh, your ab strength and ab size, and you're trying to get those to show or whether you're trying to or not, those are going to be the first ones to show. And the last ones to show are besides those two at the very, very, very bottom beneath your belly button uh, are going to be your your external obliques. So that's a good transition point. Okay. Uh, once again, the rectus abdominis, that's the uh, eight abs down the front of the abdomen and always the top two and then slowly descending down towards your belly button are going to be the ones that show first. So those top two are going to typically show first or maybe the next two below that, um, depending on how you're your abs are on, you know, your person because everyone's are just a little bit different. And then um, ultimately those top six are going to be the ones that show before you start seeing things like obliques. But anyway, moving on from the rectus abdominis on the very, very, very outside, the immediate outside uh, on the left and right towards your, towards your sides of your body outside the rectus abdominis are your internal obliques. Okay. And obliques are made up of two different groups. There's the internal obliques and the external obliques. And that word internal and external, those words, those are relative to your central core rectus abdominis. So internal is going to be closer to the rectus abdominis and external is going to be furthest away. So just outside the the rectus abdominis, you have the internal obliques and those are uh, they're, they're similar in that they travel along the side of your body in a horizontal shape. So they're a rectangle, obviously, but they're horizontal and they kind of uh, skirt up towards your ribs a little bit. And then as you get a little bit further out, the external obliques kind of take over. And those are also rectangular shaped uh, muscles that also kind of skirt up towards your ribs. And so if you picture like a long, long row of horizontal, like muscles going from your ribs on your left, 
all the way across your abdomen on the front to your ribs on the right. That's basically what the core muscles look like, the abs on the front of your body. And all together, they make up your, essentially, your abdominals. Now, there is one more group, and it's kind of near the bottom. It's below the obliques on either side, and it's outside of the rectus abdominis, and those are called your transverse abdominis. Now, these are basically uh, muscle groups that are sitting right above your hip bones and right kind of near your hip bones, and they also just kind of tie everything together. Um, So if you picture your abdominals as being one like giant connected kinetic muscle group, because it kind of is, the transverse abdominus is what's responsible for kind of binding them um, on the outside on the bottom uh, to the rest of the body. And that's basically what it does. And those you don't really see. So if you get really, really, really shredded, those are larger muscles. They're not small little rectangles and you're not going to see them like chiseled out. But what you will see is like little striations and I don't know, like sinewy type uh, like lines and little divots and stuff in your body if you get really, really shredded. But it's not something that most people really ever think about. Now, I can tell you this. If you really build up the strength and the size of those, the transverse abs, and then you're also extremely low body fat, like 10, 11% or something, what you will see is extremely defined hip bones. And then it'll also help see, it'll also help your obliques really, really, really pop. Okay, so just like kind of an aesthetic little thing to think about. So let's go over those one more time. So the front of the abs from the sternum down to uh, the waist that is the rectus abdominis, and it's in pairs of two. It shows up in pairs of two, uh, small rectangular muscles. Just outside the rectus abdominis, like immediately outside that muscle group to the left or the right, approaching the underarm area, are your internal obliques. And then just outside of that, which is more towards the underarm area, are your external obliques. And then lastly, down below the obliques on either side of your body, just around your hip bone area, is a larger muscle group called the transverse abdominis. Okay, those four muscle groups make up your abs. So when you think abs from now on, instead of just picturing the six or eight that you normally visualize in your mind of being the aesthetic male model or female model type abs that you see on bodybuilders and stuff, think of it as four different muscle groups and that it really goes from around your ribs all the way across from one side to the other, and then also down to your hip bones. And then one little note about the rectus abdominis that we didn't really talk about is that those lower two abs beneath the belly button, the the, the two that make up like the eight pack, you know, the two that are really hard to get to show, those actually travel way, way, way down. Okay, those cover from your belly button basically all the way down to like right between your legs almost. I mean, they go way further than most people think, but they they provide a ton of balance and stability and control and protection in a lot of ways that people don't really ever think about. They think the abs stop around the belly button. They definitely don't. They cover everything from where your legs meet your body all the way up to your sternum. Okay, that is the core. That's why it's called the core because it's literally the core. It's the entire middle of your body. And Uh, It also, and I'm going to make a transition here in a second, it also provides an unbelievable amount of balance and stability and support for everything that you do every single day. Okay, so now this is a perfect time to talk about that. 
the things that abs provide for you, like I just said, stability, balance, support, but it also provides almost like an abdomen armor, okay? Abs, I want you to think about as like an armor for the middle of your body. And the stronger that that armor is, the more it's going to protect you from everything. Now, in addition to all that stuff, which is like supportive and you know critical for movement, uh, they also are in a, a very aesthetic muscle group. Okay, so a lot of people in the fitness industry they put a lot of attention into abs because they know that if they're in a bodybuilding competition, the judges are going to be looking at abs, and you know they do provide um, almost like a a validation that everything that you're doing to take care of yourself and improve your game and get in shape and stay fit, they provide a validation that you are doing a a really, really good job and you're very focused and you're very attentive and you're hardworking. And obviously, if you're doing all of that stuff, it's a clear indication that you're willing to sacrifice in order to achieve that stuff and make it a priority and put it high on your list. So there's a lot of things that come with that. Now, you know, building up big arms and getting cut arms and everything is great and it's cool. Um, but abs are, they're kind of like a next level thing, which is why most people you know do not have visible abs, never have, never will. And if you don't have defined or visible abs by the time you're, I don't know, 23, 24, I mean, chances are, you probably never will unless you make a life change. The problem is that's just so rare. Now, I could be having this talk with 5,000 people, and I could stress the importance as a, as a NASM-educated trainer, someone who used to be 80 pounds overweight, obese, and transformed themselves physically and mentally. That's me I'm talking about. I could tell them all of that stuff. And just how much it changed my life. It changed my marriage. It changed my relationship with my son. It changed my relationship with my family, my friends. It caused me to relook at life and go through a soul searching type of like pilgrimage to find myself and become a better person. So I can talk about all that stuff to 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 people, and one or two or five of them would actually do something about it. And it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So, I want to stress a little bit more just how important it is to take care of your body, including your abs. Your abs are part of your body. But not only that, the abs are such a critical piece of your body. They are the core. They are the thing that holds it all together. It holds your legs to your upper body. It controls all of that. Now, how do you build abs? That's a question. And I'm telling you right now, it's not through sit-ups. Abs are built by doing two things, two. The first one is treating them like a major muscle group. And the second thing is lowering your body fat. Those are the two things that it takes to get abs. Now, you're probably saying, no shit, Gordon. I already know that you have to build muscle and you have to lose body fat in order to see the muscle that you just built. But here's the thing. Most people do not treat abs like a major muscle group. Most people go into the gym or do this at home. They go and they do 50 crunches or three sets of 50 crunches like twice a week. And they think that that's enough. It's not enough. You need to treat your abs the same way you treat like your shoulders or your biceps or your triceps. You need to really give 
your abs, uh, you can do this a bunch of different ways, but you really need to give it attention. Okay. One of the ways you can do that at the gym is to devote half of an entire workout, like maybe a full 30 minutes to ab building. And that doesn't mean just sit there and do a million crunches. We're going to get into the specifics in a minute. The other way or another way that you can do it is you can, you can devote 15 minutes or, or 12 minutes or 18 minutes or something like three or four times a week. Or you can do something like that. Now, I've tested a bunch of different stuff. I've tested the two things I just talked about. I've also tested devoting an entire day, like having an ab day at the gym. And that was interesting and it worked really, really well. I don't do that right now because I was able to build a ton of strength and size in my abs and I didn't want to get too care. Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Anyway, I don't do that right now, but it works tremendously well. Okay. You have to treat it like a muscle group. And when you treat it like a muscle group, a couple of funny things happen. One, obviously you build your abs and you build them to the point where you can stand unflexed in front of a mirror and still see six of them, right? Or, you know, whatever, and your obliques, like depends on how cut you are, but you can see your abs pretty much at all times. And then if you flex, obviously you see almost the whole thing. So that's cool, right? But that's not the most important thing. When you actually spend time building your abs, and I mean really building the strength in your abs through some hypertrophy and a little bit of progressive overload and you know just your normal conventional 8 to 12 rep range type stuff, when you actually build your muscle strength in your abs, everything else that you do in the gym is impacted by that. Everything. Do you overhead press? That gets impacted by that. Do you squat? That gets impacted by stronger abs. Do you run? that gets impacted by abs. Do you do leg extensions that gets impacted? Pretty much every other exercise that you do is going to be affected. And this goes all the way down to like a seated bicep curl. And the reason a seated bicep curl would benefit from stronger abs is this. When your abs are stronger, you tend to contract them more, you tend to have more control and you tend to be able to connect with them a little bit better and understand when they can help you and how they can help you. So the stronger they get, this is hard to explain for someone who's never experienced it, but just bear with me. The stronger your abs get when you go to do anything, any movement in the gym or out of the gym, but any movement, your abs will naturally contract anyway but if you feel them contract because they're stronger, which you will, you will almost instinctively know whether or not you need to call on that in order to do what you're about to do and whether or not it'll make it easier. You develop a new way of doing everything in life. You don't look any different. The movements don't change really, but the way you contract different muscles in your body while you're doing certain things changes. And what you'll notice is extreme efficiencies popping up left and right. Are you lifting a box in your basement to move it from one side to the other? Are you helping your friend move a dresser? Are you loading up something at work? Uh, are you climbing a ladder? Are you doing this? You're doing that. Uh, are you at the gym and you're slinging plates around doing all kinds of stuff? It doesn't matter what it is. Just every time you go to move, you will move a little bit differently and you'll feel things that you didn't normally feel. And like I said earlier, you'll develop efficiencies and weird 
strength that you didn't know you had. And it's all because your core is now stronger. And your core, like I said, since it's the central pillar that holds your body together, it's going to provide stability and balance and strength in ways that you never knew. Okay, so you need to the punchline here is you need to treat your abs like a major muscle group. It should be part of your rotation. And if it's not, it needs to step in and find room to become part of your routine. Okay, now here are some specific ways to build your abs. If you're not already doing these, I highly recommend you incorporate them somehow. Now, I already talked about some ways that you can schedule it you know, 10 minutes a day, five days a week, or one full day dedicated or two 30 minute things or something like that, you know, try to get at least an hour of ab work a week. And the other things that you need to also do in addition to that uh, are compound lifts. I talk about those a lot because I believe in them. Remember every compound lift you do, typically Every compound lift you do is going to rely on your abs, your ab strength, your ab flexibility, your ad, your ab range of motion. Okay. And as you continue to perform compound lifts and you get better and you go through progressive overload and hypertrophy based training, they are going to, uh, your, those muscle groups are going to get stronger and your abs are going to get stronger as a result. And because you are also, after listening to this podcast, you are training your abs separately and treating them like a real muscle group and giving them the respect that they need, your compound lifts, which are also critical of building abs, are going to get better. Your abs are getting better because you're doing extra stuff. Your compound lifts are getting better because your abs are getting better. And your compound lifts are getting better because you're progressive overloading them. And you see this cycle, okay, this extreme cycle. And as these things all improve, guess what happens? Your whole body continues to improve. Your strength improves. Your explosiveness improves. Your balance improves. Your stability improves. Listen, if you ever hire a trainer who goes through, has gone through a program like a NASM certification or something. One of the things they talk about a lot is this concept of stability and then strength and then power. All right. I think, um, so NASM calls it the optimum performance training model, the OPT. Okay. And the OPT focuses on, on like what I just said, building stability and balance first and then building strength and then building power. Now, what they mean by stability and balance is exactly what it sounds like. Stability and balance. Can you do an exercise without falling over, basically? The strength part of it is developing pure, raw strength. Can I lift that weight? Can I add more weight to it? You know, that kind of thing. And then power is, it's interesting, most people don't understand this until it's explained to them, but power and how NASM interprets power is strength as a function of time. Okay. Explosiveness. So basically NASM says, if you have power or if you're power training, what you're developing is your ability to call on and generate the maximum amount of strength in your body possible in the shortest amount of time. Okay. So from rest to a hundred percent, basically in the shortest amount of time. Now, the more you build your abs and the more you build your compound lift strength and you see that cycle fuel itself over and over and over again, 
the more you will get to the point where you are not just building stability and balance and control, but also raw, pure strength and also raw, pure power, strength as a function of time. All of these things are made better, made more efficient, and made more capable by building a stronger and more supportive core. Okay, that is the truth. And so it has to be something that you dedicate a good chunk of your time to, like 20% of your time in the gym or 18% of the time in your gym should be devoted to building your ab strength and your ab flexibility and your ab capabilities. Now, how else can you build your abs? So compound lifts are great, but here's some very, very specific, very well-proven by myself and many, many, many others before me, ab exercises that actually build abs. And I'm not talking about crunches. In fact, I haven't done a crunch. I haven't done a crunch in like seven years. And yes, before anybody asks, I do have abs. Anyway, uh, these are my favorites. And I think that they are the most effective at building ab strength and ab size. And by the way, before I get into this ab size, when I say that it makes a lot of people shy away. When you build ab size, we're talking millimeters, all right? It's the difference between like a few millimeters and those, the difference in millimeters is what's going to make your abs show or not show. So don't be afraid. It's, it's, don't be afraid of the word ab size or the phrase ab size because it's very, very, very difficult and you pretty much have to be on some kind of steroid or, you know, something unnatural uh, in order to get abs that are so big that you look weird and bubbly and bloated and whatnot like that, that whole look that you might be thinking when you hear the phrase ab size or ab mass is just not attainable by your average athlete. So keep that in mind. When I say ab size and ab mass, I'm talking millimeters of difference. Anyway, these are the most effective exercises at building ab mass and ab strength. Russian twists, windshield wipers, which are hanging leg raises that you make a huge arc with your legs, uh, Tota bars, which I adopted from CrossFit actually, and I don't do CrossFit, but those are an amazing exercise for building your lower abs, um, hanging leg raises, landmines, one of my personal favorites, actually landmines, um, and then hitting the ab wheel, right? Which is a non-weighted exercise. It's the, I think it's the only non-weighted well, I guess it's body weight. That's the only real like non-weighted ab exercise I do. And then uh, cable crunches, which are not crunches, just so you know. It's a crunch motion, but it's also performed with, at least for me, uh, close to 150 extra pounds. And it's it gives you the ability to really isolate your abs and you're not fighting against gravity like you are with a normal crunch. And then you're also able to load up a ton of weight. So you're making your abs really, really, really work to complete the range of motion. And uh, you can progressively overload it and enter like a hypotrophy, hypotrophy, hypertrophy style training in order to build your ab size. Um, now, there is something that I do want to talk about. If you're listening to this and you're now like really fired up and really pumped and you want to go and hit your abs every single day. That's great. That's awesome. That's an awesome like way to think about it. And I'm glad that you're so fired up and pumped. Um, but I did want to share something that I believe is a lot more prevalent in abs and ab training than other muscle groups. Uh, it's definitely prevalent in all of them. 
Um, it's this the human body in general, but the abs, at least for me, seem to suffer from this a lot. Now, um, there's this acronym, it's SAID, S-A-I-D, uh, in the fitness industry, in the training industry, and it, it stands for Specific Adaptation to Opposed Demands, so S-A-I-D. And basically what it means is atrophy, okay? Um, and it's atrophy as a result of no longer challenging yourself, all right? So the reason I'm bringing this up is people get into routines, all right? And I've talked about this before, but people get into routines where they're training the same muscle, using the same exercise, using the same weight, using the same rep range, using the same number of sets day in and day out, day in and day out for months and months and months and years. And that's how you end up going to the gym every day for 10 years and not actually changing the way you look or your strength or your energy or your flexibility, et cetera, et cetera. And that's because you're entering this atrophy type thing very, very slowly by allowing your body to adapt to the demand, right? Um, again, specific adaptation to impose demands. And we want to avoid that at all costs, which is why I talk about progressive overload. Progressively overloading your body, including your abs, is going to be the only way you will ever get from where you're at to where you want to be, okay? Adaptation is way too common, and your body is smart, Okay, our bodies are very smart. They're good at surviving. They're good at adapting to their environments. They're good at adapting to their stresses in order to stay alive. So you need to constantly challenge. And if you constantly challenge your body, you will force it to never relax. And because it's never relaxing, it's always changing. It's always strengthening itself. It's always building itself up, making itself more resilient by strengthening itself. And you need to do that especially with your abs, if you want them to show, if you want them to get stronger, if you want to improve your balance, if you want to improve your compound list, all the stuff I just mentioned, it all comes through progressive overloading. And there is no muscle group on your body that will not benefit from progressive overloading. Okay, that doesn't mean you have to try and do 900 pound cable crunches. But what it does mean is that you can throw on an extra 10 pounds, 20 pounds and do a fewer, uh, a fewer amount of reps in order to keep your body trying harder. Okay. Now, anyway, I'm glad I got that out of the way. It's very important. Uh, It's not gonna be the last time I said it. Uh, Do not let yourself enter consistent, constant atrophy as a result of not challenging yourself through progressive overloading of some sort. Okay. Now there's one more thing I want to talk about. And that is how to get your abs to reveal themselves. Now that you have spent time building your abs and learning some great exercises and great philosophy approaches to building your abs, how do you actually get them to reveal themselves? Because building them isn't always enough, depending on your genetics, depending on your body fat, depending on everything. It comes down to this one thing, and that is your body fat percentage. Now there is no magic body fat percentage because everybody's body is different. So don't let anybody tell you that. But what I will tell you is that the most, I guess, common um, body fat percent where you can start to see things like abs, uh, not necessarily obliques, but the front four or front six that everyone seems to be so obsessed with, uh, those tend to pop around 17 to 18% body fat range. So if you can get yourself down to that level, then you will very likely be able to see all the hard work that you put in start to show itself. Now, how do you get to 17, 18%, especially if you're up around 28, 25, 30, you know, up there, and you're trying to lose 10% or lose 12% body fat? Um, 
you know, I talked about this before and I'm going to talk about this again. I'm probably going to have a whole episode on cutting, but it, it comes down to cutting. Now, cutting doesn't have to suck. Cutting doesn't have to be torture. Okay. Cutting doesn't have to be this like awful experience. Cutting can actually be a lot of fun through flexible dieting and intermittent fasting. You can actually eat whatever the hell you want and still cut and still lose body fat. I did it and I learned it from somebody else and that person learned it from somebody else. And it's actually extremely popular, but basically all you do, this is in a nutshell. Okay. Basically all you do is you find your maintenance calorie level. Okay. Whatever that is. And that calorie level is you eat that every day and your body will never change. Okay. You find that number and you cut your calorie intake by about 500, 300, somewhere in there. You're going to have to test it and tweak it. But if you can cut that number down by 300 to 500 calories a day, and you stay at that deficit every single day for like a few months while also training, then you will cut your body fat percent every single week. That's a guarantee. (laughs) That's a guarantee. Now, if you try that and it's not working, I can almost guarantee you this. Actually, I can... 99% guarantee you this, you're either cheating, you're not tracking it right, or you're not training hard enough, or at all, actually. Uh, And that's just the truth. Every single person I've trained and every single person I've like worked with and every single person I've talked to that claims that finding that magic number, that maintenance number, which everybody has, by the way, and cutting that by three to 500 doesn't work. Every single time that I've been told that there's always been a, an outlying little detail that was left out like, oh, well, you know, I, yeah, I guess I don't measure this. I don't measure my peanut butter. I just kind of like take a few spoonfuls. Yeah. Well, listen, bro, that that's not going to fly, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I made a sandwich, but then, you know, I had, I had a bag of chips on top of that. Well, you didn't account for that bag of chips, dude, you know, and, and those types of things, it might just be, you know, it might sound like nothing, but those onesies, twosies add up and that's a huge problem. So if you're going to try and do that, make sure you're doing it hundred percent because the only person you're cheating is yourself. So, you know, that's basically macro tracking. And if you're macro tracking and calorie counting, then you have to actually do it. You can't just, you can't fuck off and, you know, only, only half ass do it. You have to do it hundred percent, but that is the secret. It's not really a secret. (laughs) The secret is, get lower on your body fat. And you do that by entering a caloric deficit every day. That's it. That's it. Period. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. It's extremely simple. It is simple. It's not always easy, but it is so incredibly simple. Okay. Now having a good coach always helps. It's someone to stay accountable to, and it's someone that can help guide you on the way and help you pick out food and all that. Those are very specific tactics on how to do it. But the big picture strategy is very simple. It's eat at a deficit. That doesn't mean starve yourself. That means eat at a minor deficit every single day. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to stress one more time just the importance of having strong and flexible and built up and capable abs, not just for the purpose of looks. You know, that is a nice to have, but really that's completely secondary. The main purpose of having strong abs, in my opinion, and the thing that matters to me the most is how it affects my ability to lift and how it affects my ability to enjoy life. 
all the other aspects of life, right? Because I like to move around just like you, just like most people and moving around and doing things and experiencing and enjoying life is all made better by having a healthy body in particular, a healthy and strong set of abs. Okay. So again, guys, if you got any value out of this, please share this with a friend. Please also jump over to iTunes and leave me a review and a rating. I would really appreciate it. And uh, stay tuned for Thursday's episode. I love you and I'll talk to you in the next one. See ya.